0: Hello, and welcome to Rock and Talk with Dak, your podcast for an all things music. Each week, we're talking about something in the world of music, bands, albums, artwork, news, and reviews. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can check out Instagram for Song of the Day, head on over to Twitter to give feedback, or just to say hi. I'm Dak, your host. Let's dive into today's episode. So I've been listening to a lot of playlists recently, and I came across a familiar tune I'm sure you've heard. It's a cover of The Sound of Silence by, you guessed it, Disturbed. Disturbed went on hiatus in 2010, and no one really knew when they would be back. As a total surprise to the music world, they'd been working on new material and released Immortalized in 2015. Now, as is customary with a Disturbed album, you'd expect a cover of some 80s song that's beefed up by Disturbed's heavy sound. However, this time around, they went back even further and landed on The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Not only did they take inspiration from a different time of music, they also stripped down their more aggressive sound for something that I think has a little bit more emotion to it. Every time that I hear this cover, I'm captivated by just how amazing it is. Granted, it's a bit overplayed, but it's a fantastic cover. So that got me thinking, what exactly makes a great cover? Using Disturbed Sound of Silence as a framework, I'm going to talk about what makes a great cover in three different aspects. For the purposes of this discussion, I'm only looking at the original acoustic version from Simon & Garfunkel's uh, first album. So without further ado, let's find out what makes a great cover. Number 1. Connection. While I am no musician, or at least a recording musician, I do believe a great starting point for any musical endeavor is to have a strong connection with the work. This especially applies to covers. When you're able to tap into your emotions, whether it's sentimental or otherwise, I think there's a greater chance of something truly special to happen. And what band out there hasn't been inspired by Simon and Garfunkel in some way? They were the part of music that our parents grew up on. Bands like Disturbed grew up on this music. You have hits like The Boxer, Mrs. Robinson, and Bridge Over Troubled Water. Those are classic folk rock music staples. Not only that, but they are the archetype for harmonizing duos. When sitting down to record the song, this is what lead singer David Draymond had to say in a 2018 interview. At first I thought we were gonna do what we typically have done with our cover songs, make it more upbeat, uh, aggressive, rhythmic, in your face. and It was Danny's strong suggestion and vibe to go in the opposite direction that particular time, and to leave it ambient and ethereal and um, acoustic, orchestral, and let the vulnerability of the vocal stand out. So it's no surprise that this is a song the band resonated with. They listened to the song growing up, and that holds value on its own, but it's not just the sentimental value, I think there's also the lyrics. They are mysterious, yet heartfelt a nice companion to the a somewhat haunting music. In the song, writer Paul Simon, 21-year-old at the time of writing the song, expresses frustration with a failure in communicating with his fellow man, and if you pay attention to the themes of David Draymond's lyrics, you can start to draw a correlation between the two. Draymond often expresses his frustrations, whether it's about politics or something like social media. And I think bringing the Sound of Silence into the 21st century, where we have an increasing reliance on social media, which has changed the way we communicate, I think it makes sense that the band, at least Draymond, would be drawn to this song. Number 2. Heart and Soul. Now that we have a song and we, uh, with a strong connection, we need to figure out what its core is. What makes this song, well, this song? When you're doing a cover, especially a song that's been around for so many decades, it's important to honor its identity. And I understand that can be open for many interpretations, so let me dig in and try to explain what I mean by that. When looking at The Sound of Silence, what makes that song? One could argue, well, everything makes that song. That's a fair point. You could say that about any song. I mean, it has been around for nearly six decades. But when you... you have to start asking the why questions for everything about the song. For example, why are there no drums? Well, there are on the remixed version that was on their second album. Okay, well why was it remixed? Okay, I I understand... we've hit a rabbit hole, it's a bad example, and I could go... continue asking why. But I think you get my point. I think the core of this song lies in its lyrics. It's a message about not being able to communicate with your fellow man. This is a universal feeling, at least i like to think it is, whether we all admit it or not. There are just some times that we have a hard time being able to reach out and communicate with others, and I don't mean that the person never picks up their phone or they've unfriended you. For me personally, I know I have ran into this difficulty. I'm not 100% confident in my social media skills. I'm not the kind of person that wants to be using my every breath on coming up with the next amazing Instagram post that's going to break the internet, or telling everyone what I had for breakfast on Facebook. It was toast, by the way. There are just some things... I just... I guess I understand the difficulty that some may have with... as long as it, it relates to that perspective. Anyway, in essence, take what's special about the song, whether it's the lyrics or some instrumentation, and enhance it. And that brings me to my final part. Number three, what's added? For me personally, I don't think that you can just sing the same lyrics and play the same instruments to a song and call it a great cover. There needs to be something a little bit more to it. Which means taking the original and enhancing it. You're adding something of your own creative abilities to the song. In fact, I think it's one of the worst things you can do, is to simply sing and play over the same instrumentation. I'm looking at you, Weezer, but more on them in a bit. Sometimes I think bands forget that they are artists, they are creators, and they're able to play around with something and make it uniquely theirs. So long as you understand what makes the song tick, you can do anything. Another one of my personal favorite covers is Peter Gabriel's version of Heroes from David Bowie. It's in the total opposite direction of the original, it's re-recorded with classic instrumentation, and you really feel the emotional punch that Bowie poured into his original. Disturbed knows this, and they did just that. I think the biggest thing that they added, amongst other things, it's the emotional impact of the song. Draymond's performance voices frustration over how we communicate these days. Gone are the times of face-to-face conversations and working things out together. We sit behind phones that protect us from what others might have to say. and When we get called out, we throw a tantrum and either things get ugly or you're greeted with the sound of silence. You hear that in his vocals. The song starts with a pensive delivery, and as the song progresses, he sings louder, gets more emotional, everything crescendos as he tries to reach out and get someone's attention. But alas, he's instead greeted with the sounds of silence. So special number four. What exactly makes a meh cover? In all honesty, I don't think there's such a thing as a bad cover. You can sing and play the same notes as the original, and it'll always be fun. It's fun playing these songs that we know and love. I mean, that's how bands start out, doing a whole bunch of covers at the local bar to get your name out. And I'm going to be totally honest, there are just some songs I will never hate to hear live. It doesn't matter what setting it's in. Some songs live are just the best. But when that's all you do for a cover, and you've been around for a while as a band, I think you're just in the meh area. It's fun for sure, and it does what the cover is supposed to do. But it's not what makes it great. Case in point is Weezer's Teal album from January uh, last year, 2019. They covered a whole bunch of different songs, and I must say it was a bizarre pleasure to hear Weezer cover classics like Africa by Toto and even Paranoid by Black Sabbath. But they're literally playing the same notes of every one of those original songs. There's no standout track where I'm thinking, wow. Weezer understands the fundamentals of this song. They understand the core. And I think that's what sets Disturbed's version apart from other big covers in recent years. Both the band and Dreamin understand the original song. They have a strong connection with it, and they made it uniquely theirs. Gone is just the acoustic guitar. Here we have more percussion in there. It's still pretty stripped down and acoustic sounding, but it's little bit more driven by the piano and the percussion on here and it plays on the empty feelings of the poets words Thank you for joining me this week on Rock and Talk with Dak. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify, so you never miss a beat. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a rating wherever you're listening to the show. Um, you can give me feedback on Twitter, like, uh, like something on Instagram, or spread the word. Tell a friend. It all helps. As usual, thank you for your support and tuning in every week. Be sure to tune in on Monday. And remember, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. See you next time.